Spader Business Management's team of industry experts provide business insights, ideas, and concrete tactics through training and consulting. Generations of business owners and operators have also relied on Spader's 20 groups to capitalize on new opportunities and industry trends by learning directly from their peers. Learn more at spader.com. I'm Managing Editor Kim Schmidt. Welcome to On the Record. Here's an update on what's currently impacting the ag equipment industry. Deere and Company filed a lawsuit June 1st against Precision Planting and Agco, claiming the companies infringed on about a dozen John Deere patents related to the exact Emerge planter. Deere filed separate complaints against Precision Planting and Agco, claiming that when you combine the Speed Tube and VSET Classic or VSET 2 seed monitoring systems, that it infringes on the exact Emerge system, explains Ag Attorney Todd Jansen. In the lawsuit, Deere claims it has suffered damages as a result of the direct and indirect infringing activities of the defendant and will continue to suffer such damages as long as those infringing activities continue. If the court rules in favor of Deere, Jansen says there's a few potential outcomes. In patent infringement litigation, one thing that a court could do is award royalties to Deere for profits made by SpeedTube and VSET and how that might have caused deer damages. That's one thing they could do. If they continue to keep selling them going forward, the court could set a royalty that precision planting would have to pay deer for sales going forward. Or another thing that could happen is if it's determined that the patents are infringed, then the court could enjoin precision planting and agco from selling the speed tube and VSET combination in the future until the patent expires. While Echo has not commented on the lawsuit, Jansen says it is possible Echo could file a counterclaim saying exact emerge infringes on some of their patents. However, he stresses that is just speculation at this point. He also says it could be years before this case is settled. This week's dealers on the move are Canning Equipment, CanEquip, Hyde Park Equipment, and Wagner Equipment. John Deere dealer Canning Equipment is acquiring the assets and operations of K. Hall Brothers in Amelia, Ohio. The addition brings Canic's total locations to 15 throughout Ohio and Indiana. CanEquip has reached an agreement with McConnell Machinery Company to acquire its Ottawa, Kansas location and Case IH territory. McConnell will keep its Lawrence store location and Kubota territory. The acquisition brings CanEquip's total locations up to nine in Kansas and Nebraska. Kubota dealer Hyde Park Equipment opened a new location in London, Ontario that offers a much larger shop than the old location in addition to offices and a showroom. Echo dealer Wagner Equipment has acquired the business assets of H. Manning Company in Lamar, Colorado. Wagner now has 11 ag equipment locations. Now here's James DeGraff with the latest from the Technology Corner. Thanks, Kim. Last month, I traveled to Lincoln, Nebraska to cover the Agricultural Electronics Foundation Plugfest event. For hours on end, Developers from around the world tested their platforms for compatibility in a round-robin format, hoping to fix any underlying issues en route to eventually achieving ISABUS certification. Among the many compatibility veterans in attendance was Dave Smart, staff systems engineer with John Deere and head of the AEF's high-speed ISABUS development project. In working with AEF since 2001, Smart has contributed to the research and development of egg compatibility helping develop universal standards to connect machines, implements, and data for growers. 
Speaking on behalf of his work with AAF and the industry-wide goal of universal plug-and-play compatibility across all brands, Smart explains the current limitations of CAN-based ISOBUS in the field and how the eventual implementation of an enhanced high-speed ISOBUS network will provide unprecedented bandwidth for data collection and brand-to-brand functionality. The speed of CAN is very slow, and it's not unlike the dial-up modem from many years ago in terms of performance. No longer adequate in anybody's home in these modern times. So the high-speed ISO bus is intended to give us that next capability from an infrastructure perspective. And even though many of the operations would still be the same sort of thing, we still have a user experience, we still have prescription being applied and data logging and so forth. But now instead of saying the planter is delivering 32,000 seeds per acre as set point and actually 31.5, we could instead have the bandwidth to get down to row level. And what is each row doing? And do I actually have a need to have a prescription that can adjust row by row by row? While acknowledging that the network is still under development, Smart ads of growers will have the ability for camera integration on implements for access to real-time viewing and data collection from the cab. Should it all come together as expected, perhaps we're a lot closer to true plug-and-play than many would be led to believe. Back to you, Kim. Thanks, James. Titan Machinery reported its first quarter revenues for fiscal year 2019 on May 31st. For the quarter ending April 30th, total revenues were $245.7 million, down 6.9% versus the same period last year. Agriculture segment revenues were down 12.7% for the quarter at $142.9 million. A late spring delayed field preparation and planting negatively impacting revenue, particularly in the parts and service and rental segments, management said. Baird analyst Mick Dobre says, while weather played a role in the slower-than-anticipated start, management also acknowledges some farmer hesitancy as ever-shifting stances on trade wars created a sense of uncertainty. Dobre says revenue was weak, but execution on costs has improved, and most importantly, parts and service remains a key earnings driver, the impact of which is yet to be felt. Weather played a big role here, with both parts and service down 9% and 5% respectively. Dobre also points out that this business has now declined for four straight years while the fleet has gotten older. He also notes that as planting activity picked up in the second quarter, parts and service demand is up year over year with momentum expected to continue as the year progresses. The May Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture Ag Economy Barometer posted the highest reading since January 2017. The May reading was 141, which is 16 points higher than the April reading. James Minard and Michael Langemeyer, who assembled the report, say the increase was driven both by producers' improved view of current conditions and their more optimistic view of the future. Looking ahead 12 months, 32% of producers expect good times in U.S. agriculture, up from 25% a month earlier. When asked to look ahead five years, 51% of respondents said they expect good times in U.S. agriculture compared to 44% who felt that way in April. According to Minard and Langemeyer, the improvement in sentiment regarding the U.S. ag economy could be a function of a relaxation in international trade tensions with China compared to a month earlier when nearly one-fifth of respondents expressed concern that U.S. agriculture exports will decline over the next five years. While overall producer sentiment has improved, the survey indicated the majority of farmers don't plan to make large farm investments at this time. The May survey showed only 27% of producers said now is a good time to make large farm investments compared to 28% who felt that way in April, 
and 67% of respondents said now is a bad time to make large investments compared to 69% who responded that way one month earlier. Farm equipment dealers who lease equipment will soon have to adjust their accounting practices thanks to a new standard that goes into effect next year. The new accounting standard for leases requires both operating and finance leases be included on a company's balance sheet. The new standard goes into effect on January 1st for companies whose fiscal years end on December 31st. Ralph Petta, president and CEO of the Equipment Leasing and Finance Association, noted last year in Farm Equipment that the new lease accounting changes are relatively neutral and should not impact the ability of companies to acquire productive equipment to operate and grow their businesses. One of the key changes is that leases previously classified as operating leases under current accounting standards will now be capitalized and thus reported on corporate balance sheets. With the change in balance sheet reporting, some financial statement ratios may be affected. Under the new standards, operating leases will no longer appear simply as a table of future payments in the footnotes. They will appear as a right-of-use asset and an offsetting lease liability on the balance sheet. And now from the Implemented Tractor Archives. In the 1960s, Case built a special prototype tractor that was used to illustrate tractor repair in the dealer service manual. The manual was available when the tractor was introduced to the dealers. Many of the special tools dealers would need to service the product, such as the splitting stands pictured, were developed in Case's technical publication photo studio and shop while the service manual was being completed. Writers and mechanics worked together to develop the procedures and techniques needed to service a tractor. The procedures were then photographed step-by-step step and included in the service manual. This eliminated any possible translation errors with language. As always, we welcome your feedback. You can send comments and story suggestions to kschmidt at lessetermedia.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us.